Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Exert Breakthrough Laboratory podcast. Uh, super excited to be back with you guys again. It's been a little while since our last podcast. Uh, we finally had some time to sit back down together. And as usual, I'm joined by uh, our chief sports scientist, Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey, everybody. And by Armando Mastracci. Hey, everyone. Well, I hope both of you guys have been staying safe and healthy during the pandemic. Um, we're definitely seeing a little bit of a transition here in the, in the past week or so, I'd say, uh, here in Southern Ontario. I don't know about, uh, you up in, uh, up in Toronto yet. Well, it's, uh, it's been interesting. We've had obviously, uh, the lockdown and, and, you know, uh, we've all been indoors uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, but we've also had some pretty unfortunate weather too. So even when the, when the kind of the rules were relaxed a little bit and people were, could go outside and ride, it was raining and cold. And, uh, and so there were still lots of people indoors, but now it snowed last week. It snowed last week. Yeah, it's cold, but it looks like the weather's finally transitioning. So I think between being cooped up inside for so long and now the weather turning, uh, yeah, a lot of people are moving outdoors. I see yeah, the, earlier this week on uh, Monday, it was the first day I actually went out without uh, knee warmers and arm warmers. Uh, it was Tuesday. Yeah, it was the first time in that. And, and this is way past mid-May. So that's, that's been a ridiculously long spring. I think everybody's excited to get back outside. I know the, the weather, that at least the past couple of days, has been absolutely beautiful here. So really looking forward to at least uh, starting to get outside a little bit more. Uh, I know I, my legs are definitely hurting a little bit this morning. Uh, I usually have a, a small group ride with a couple uh, friends of mine on, uh, th this is a Thursday that we're recording on, but um, we ride Thursday mornings and they decided as a group that our, our workout this week was going to be a Ronestad. <laughs> and so we had the, uh, the, I think five of us this morning suffering right at 6 a.m., uh, doing a nice Ronestad workout. I suffered for an entire hour uh, only to get a fake through and lost one watt on my threshold power. So I'm a little bit bummed out considering how, how much my legs are hurting right now. But uh, Steven, I saw you did a Ronestad yesterday as well. Yeah, I guess I was the inspiration for you and, uh, and your group since you were supposed to do it with me yesterday, but, uh, but I didn't see you up on the... Uh, on the on the workout but yeah it's been about six weeks or so since my last breakthrough so my legs are feeling great and again i figured now is the time to to really go for reset my signature and i've been having it on the uh, no decay mode for the last well actually all through the whole whole winter and i find that's really a good good tool to use when especially when I'm not necessarily really uh, peaking for an event I, I find that really uh, kind of matches my my fitness and my my workload really well so I finally went and decided to do that yesterday did it indoors usually I do it on on swift and I just pick the volcano flat route and just kind of do it freestyle but uh, we did it kind of on slope mode here on my uh, trainer and I managed to get through two out of the three sets and I kind of got to the breakthrough point both in the first and second set and then after that my legs were just completely 
jello to the point that I couldn't even spin the legs in the granny gear. So I knew the third one wasn't happening. So I bailed on that, but difficulty score was still 150 and uh, 120 XSS in about 40 minutes. So it was, uh, it was more than hard enough. And I did get a silver breakthrough, got the, got my threshold power up a couple of watts and my HIE up also about two kilojoules. So it was, uh, it was worth the agony in the end. Yeah, I'm a little bit different here because, uh, you know, I just know how painful the Ronestat is. So I do everything I can to avoid it. So I went out, I went out this past weekend and I just sort of rode around and hit some gravel and hit some hills and got myself a gold breakthrough. So uh, I was enjoying it, having some fun, uh, not having to worry about you know, killing myself on a, or on a stat workout <laughs> indoors like you guys did. But um, uh, really bringing Steven over to the dark side. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing the, the Rana side for, for quite a while now. And um, typically the, the way that I enjoy doing the workout is I'll, I usually just set it to a fixed slope. Uh, and so I usually use around 2% slope. Um, and then I usually control the effort completely with, with cadence and with my gearing. Um, so usually the way that I, the way that I do it, I know Steven doesn't always agree with my, with my methodology here, but I usually do the 30 seconds on, uh, I'll shift into the big ring and I'll do my 30 second effort, uh, big ring, usually somewhere in the middle of the cassette on the back. Uh, and I'll push hard for about 30 seconds. And at the end, I'll just drop it back down in, into the little ring, uh, and pedal it out for 20 seconds or so or 15 seconds <clears throat> until the next one and that's generally how i've done all mine i haven't really done them virtually or outdoors or anything i've done most of them indoors and i've i've had pretty good success um other than today with my fake through um but something that was really interesting and something that we've been testing lately with the workouts is is uh our, our mixed mode uh where essentially i can i can do the warm-up in, in erg mode and uh, our app handles it perfectly. It, it controls where I need to be. Uh, and actually, once we, you start kind of each of the three sets of Ronestads, it switches the ergometer automatically into slope mode for me. Uh, and so like, like the way that I perform doing, or like performing the breakthrough workouts is all in that slope mode. Uh, and, and something that uh, actually we see a lot of questions on it uh, in the support channel is, is should I be doing kind of these efforts in erg mode or, or in slope mode? And, uh, I definitely, definitely recommend doing them in slope mode. Uh, and it, it essentially comes down to, uh, how you, you allow yourself to fatigue when you're in that slope mode. Um, and so something that's going to happen as you start to get tired, as your MPA starts to come down, um, what happens if you're in erg mode is essentially you're going to keep riding at that fixed power until you can't hold it anymore until MPA comes down to that point. And at that point, you, you just, you simply can't meet the power demand anymore. And so you're just going to have to stop. And so usually what that means is you're only going to get a couple of seconds where that, that MPA is right next to your power. Um, and versus if you're in slope mode, uh, what, what it allows you to do because you're not just going to reach some point where you can't turn the pedals anymore. You can downshift or you can decrease your cadence a little bit. It allows you to spend more of your time where your power is, is closer to your MPA. And so um, what that's going to allow the, the system to do is it's really going to increase that maximal effort time. It's going to allow the extraction al algorithm a little bit more time and more data points 
to really figure out what that relationship between the threshold power and the HIE and your peak power is. Uh, and so that's why really I, I've been pushing a lot of people um, that I know and a lot of people that use the system is when you're doing some sort of breakthrough workout or if you're doing the wrong sets, really try and take advantage of, of that slope mode. Um, and, and you're really going to be, um, you're really going to be able to see kind of how you fatigue uh, when MPA comes down rather than just hitting some point of failure and having to immediately stop and skip to the next interval. Yeah, that's yeah absolutely. Because, um, you know, usually I do my kind of Ronestad or breakthrough workouts, especially the Ronestads, I prefer doing them outdoors. And uh, when you do that, again, you're essentially in slope mode, right? So, so if the first one, for example, I usually average over that 30 seconds about you know, over close to 400 watts, and then I taper off. Whereas, whereas if you are doing it on erg mode and you do it as the kind of the traditional erg mode workout, you know, the trainer is just keeping you at, let's say, 320 watts. So you may be capable of 400 watts, but it's only allowing you to do 300. So you are not pushing yourself as hard as you possibly can. So it is really key anytime you're doing a breakthrough workout to, you know, ideally either be outdoors or if you're indoors to be in a kind of a slope or a free riding mode, which is again, why normally I often do it on Swift and, and do it, where I'm just riding. It's not kind of controlling my resistance. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something else that I missed there as well is when you're riding in erg mode, uh, it's simply going to hold whatever it's told to hold. So like you mentioned, if you do, if you are able to go harder, uh, but the interval ends, you're not going to be able to really push through and, and get that breakthrough. Or whatnot. So um, definitely recommend it. Uh, Try, try the Ronestad sometime. Uh, we're going to plug it here <laughs> again, uh, but definitely recommend trying those, uh, those Ronestads and use that slope mode. Um, something else that I wanted to talk about today, um, now, that we're, now that we're done talking about my morning workout today, um, is I, I think a lot of users are going to be curious on um, kind of how they're going to be transitioning in the next couple of weeks um, as we see certain parts of the globe starting to reopen. They're starting to um, see a return to outdoor riding again. So I was wondering if, uh, if the two of you had any comments on um, or any thoughts on the transition from a lot of indoor riding over the past five or six weeks uh, into more incorporating more of the outdoor riding, um, certainly in the next couple of weeks as things start to reopen. Well, I think, you know, uh, as Stephen was saying, you know, there's, there's certainly a desire to kind of reset your signature, kind of see where you are, uh, see how you can, you know, where your training needs to be uh, at this point in time. You may not have had a chance to kind of do that kind of, uh, you know, uh, harder effort indoors. Um, you may not have been doing much riding indoors uh, just because of the situation. You know, some people... Uh, haven't had an opportunity to ride because all of their families at home these days and may not have as, many, as much opportunity. So it's been pretty uh, challenging, I think, for a lot of people. But now that they're, they're going outside, um, there's still restrictions. At least we're seeing a, a lot of restrictions still in terms of how you can ride outside. So you, you know, uh, group rides, for example, um, 
if be careful with the group rides because you're still in proximity to a lot of other riders and you know there's certainly a, an opportunity for a, the disease to spread even though you're outdoors and you're around other people still the science around this and the knowledge around how the disease spreads is still not very clear and, and can you catch it while riding beside somebody on a bike or behind them and so um the you know in, in our our situation here we're, we're you know being pretty cautious about you know how close we ride to others um and the protocols around group riding so um, just be aware that uh, it's, it's still unknown in terms of how you can contract a disease while riding outdoors or while riding in a group and that it's better to, you know, potentially pay caution to the wind, uh, literally. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the one the study I, I, I read recently talked about how a cough will, um, you know, generally a cough will spread to within one meter of the... Um, of the person, but if it's in a wind situation where there's wind, then it can it can it can uh, travel as far as six meters. And so, if you think about that, if that applies to cycling, then yeah, if you're within six meters of another person riding their bike and they cough or sneeze, then there's there's some possibility you might uh, get exposed to uh, to their droplets. So, so just be careful out there while you're riding in your groups. Um, you know, you can still uh, enjoy group riding so long as you're obviously far enough away from each other. Um, you're not going to get the same dynamics that you're going to get, obviously, being able to ride together and get that, um, uh, you know, the training benefit of being riding in a group because you tend to ride harder and ride longer when you're with the others. Town sign sprints. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, uh, so yeah, that's all I will say is like, you know, just do be careful when you're out there, uh, riding, uh, with others and, uh, uh, but, you know, do enjoy the, the, the weather in the summer and get outdoors and make sure you get your training in. Well, I have to disagree with you there, Armando. I refuse to be in a group. And at this <laughs> stage, no, it's, I just yeah. think it is, there's no way I'm going to be on a group ride for the immediate future. And I know Scott and I live obviously very close to each other. And one of the fun things of being a uh, both an academic mentor to him and being fellow cyclists is going for our two hour or more uh, two wheeled lab meetings, but it's, there's no way I'm going to be in a group situation, both mm. for infection risk and also just the fact that, you know, it increases the risk of an accident. And the last thing I feel like is being in a hospital right now. So uh, I think in order in, but it is absolutely true that you remove the group dynamic and the motivation. And I know usually around this time in terms of doing breakthroughs, uh, I don't have to do kind of any workout at all, specifically targeting that I go to our Tuesday night club ride slash races, and I automatically get a breakthrough with those, those races, no questions asked. So it does require more motivation to kind of periodically reset your, your signature, but, um, but there are lots of ways to do it. And it's not just with the Ronestads. Those are the ways I prefer because I know I can dig really, really deep on that, those kind of efforts, whereas other people are much more kind of the, you know, if you have a long climb, you know, that's where people can really push themselves for five minutes or more or whatever, and really draw their MPA down on a much more gradual basis. And so 
do whatever, you know, kind of you feel like and, and kind of works best for you, both according to your riding situation and also your personal motivation. Again, I cannot motivate myself to draw my MPA down with long, steady kind of time trial or kind of prologue type efforts. I, I can only do it with these on off type really hard efforts. So that's how I do it. But whatever you do, I think it is important to periodically reset your signature, whether you do have it on a no decay mode like I do. And just to kind of give it a second check. And then also, especially if you're in an optimal decay mode where it's designed to draw it to the model brings your fitness signature down at a you know, pretty progressive rate to kind of allow you to periodically uh, express your signature and, and test it. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point because I, I know you mentioned you've been running the no decay for quite some time. Uh, I've been on optimal since March or so. Uh, and I think it's been about four weeks since my last breakthrough. Uh, and I ended up getting a, a fake through this morning, but I was within a lot of what the system expected. So it's, it's interesting to see um, kind of how well that's tracked. Um, I, I would say I've mostly been maintaining fitness. I haven't been really, I haven't had a positive ramp rate. I've just been maintaining. So uh, to see very little change in the fitness signature uh, and kind of what exert has expected from me, that's uh, uh, that was quite interesting to me. A little bit disappointing, but uh, <laughs> also quite interesting to me this morning well you know uh, it, it leads to the uh thing we were talking about before the podcast of the other thing is whether you're using garmin to um to do your breakthrough workouts and when you see that kind of uh, ribbon come up the idea is really just dig that little bit deeper just for that little bit longer to really make sure you have sufficient data to really uh, for the model to to really um, kind of recalculate and and get a breakthrough so you know sometimes you come back from a ride and and you got that ribbon and then you come back and either didn't get a breakthrough or it's a fake through and but mm -hmm. you know that's really the signal when when it's there that's not the finish line when you get that ribbon just think you know push yourself just that little bit longer even just that 5 seconds more just to really kind of force the model to recalculate yeah you know that's an important point is that you know the 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 garmin or even our apps they're not doing what the server's doing when you're when your data is getting analyzed they're just unable to do a you know signature extraction in real time while you're on the bikes so we make some assumptions and some guesses while you're on the bike that you know you've gone above mpa and you know you're, you're going to get a reset and you're going to get an, an increase in your signature um but we don't know for sure until the data comes back to the server and the server analyzes it um the other thing that the server does is that it'll remove errors so sometimes your, you know, power meters will have like repeating power values when you stop pedaling, for example, that's pretty common. So if you're on a bike and you're pedaling and you stop abruptly, the power meter keeps transmitting power data. And, you know, we're able to detect those because, in, you know, they're, they're, it, you can see that happen in the data. And so the, the, the server will remove those repeating power data points because they realize that you stop pedaling and those aren't real data points. And if those come, happen at, at exactly when you're doing a, a breakthrough, 
um, then you know they could be material to your your actual signature values. The, the software is that is that sensitive that it can pick up you know three or four seconds at you know 500 watts, and they say, oh, you're able to hold it for three more seconds. Oh, that means your signature must be higher. And so, so those little those subtleties are things that the server will pick up that the that the actual apps, the the, the Garmin apps, and the and the uh, the the, um, uh, the uh, Android and iOS apps, they're unable to do. So, so that's why you need to bring it back into the system and have the system analyze it. And generally, yeah, you'll you know you, you want to go a little bit deeper. You know, I think there's you know, there's really you know there's there's really two things that will really benefit. A deep effort. So one is you're going to ensure you're going to get the breakthrough and you're going to get the good data um, or you get, you're going to see the breakthrough uh, get analyzed. But the other important thing, I think Scott, you're bringing this up is you, you want to show how you fatigue at your failure point. You don't want to just sort of stop abruptly. Right? You want to keep going, right? Because when you keep going, the system can then say, oh, look, this is how you've been fatiguing. This is how MPA is declining as you struggle with that point of failure. And those points, those, you know, five, 10 seconds or whatever they are at failure really identify your signature. Your signature is expressed in those final points of failure, not just the one. So you don't want to just sort of go and finish your 20 minute effort and stop because that's not going to tell, not going to tell the system how you, uh, you know, how your, what your peak power might be and how it's affecting your, 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 your fatigue at that failure point. You really need to push through that. You have to show the slope of the fatigue line, the MPA line at failure, that slope, how it declines as you fail is defined by your signature. So those are really the, the you know, those are the reasons why you want to push beyond, you know, when you see purple, uh, purple numbers on your Garmin, you know, don't think, hey, okay, I got my breakthrough. No, push a little bit further. A, you might, you, you're, you're going to, you're going to ensure that you get the breakthrough. And mm -hmm. secondly, you're going to help the system really understand what your signature is. That, that's so it's like racing in a sprint, right? You go past the finish line. Don't do the Eric Zabo in Milan San Remo and throw your hands up before the line and kind of coast over. So that's when mm -hmm. you get pipped at the line and lose uh, Milan San Remo. <laughs> exactly. that's, some, that, mm -hmm. that's something that I actually do see uh, some, fairly often uh, in our support channels is um, maybe they upload maybe a RAM test or one of their FTP tests. And they say, hey, this system came back with this number, exert comes back with this. And so something that I tell them a lot of times is that like, you're, they're going to get different values because they're analyzing the data very differently. Um, and, and something you already talked about it a little bit, Armando, but if you do a RAM test or whatever, getting to the point of failure isn't the important part to me uh, because there is infinite combinations of threshold power, HIE, and peak power that can cause you to fail four minutes and 30 seconds into a ramp test. But once you hit that failure point, once again, if you're in slope mode and you allow it and you keep pushing yourself past that point, like you were talking about, and, and we're, we can see how you fatigue beyond there, that's where we get the really good fitness signature extractions. That's where we can figure out exactly what your threshold power is, exactly what your HIE is. 
that's the, really the information that we care about. It's not so much the, the four minutes and 30 seconds leading up to that, but it, how you fatigue after hitting that point of failure is so valuable to, to us in the exert system. Um, and, what, and one of the key things to keep in mind, especially, especially when you're outdoors, um, is you really have to be mindful of your cadence and your gearing at failure. Because oftentimes you may sprint, for example, to reach your MPA. But if you spin out real quick, then you just can't lay down any more power after reaching MPA. So one thing to be mindful of is, is if you are going to push through, you're reaching that point of failure, and you want, you want to keep pedaling. So if you want to keep pedaling, just make sure you're in a proper gear um, so that you can still lay down some watts onto the pedal. So I find that that can happen often where you crest the top of a hill and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're almost at MPA, but now you, you're, you're spinning out. You're just not in the right gear. And so you end up with a fake through or you end up with, you know, a very abrupt change in your power. And, and then, you know, you don't get the results that, you know, you might get if you're just a little more attentive to, being in the right gear so you can continue to lay down the power at the point of failure. And that's really what you're doing in the study that we're running, right, Scott, is that with a critical power test, typically people you know, ride to a point of exhaustion, and but their cadence goes from 100 at the start, and then at the very last bit, they just can't turn the pedals anymore. They're at 60, 55 RPM, whereas the unique thing that you are doing um, among a few things is one is clamping cadence and you are having them ride at in slope mode and riding mm -hmm. at a fixed cadence and the, the warning and the advice and the, the guidance to the participants is keep it at, you know, that same exact cadence at, you know, if you ride at 90 RPM, don't go at 88 keep it at 90 and just keep pushing yourself right to the point of exhaustion at 90, not at, you know, slow down a little bit at 88 and 87 or whatever. So, so absolutely one of the things is to focus on, on the cadence as you are doing those, those uh, breakthrough efforts. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited for, for everyone to see the cool research that we've been working on. Really excited for it. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing, I, I had a note of it here, and I had missed it before, but while we're talking about research, uh, Stephen, I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on uh, the study that you've been involved with uh, regarding training and, and the pandemic. Yeah, one of the things that I've been involved in during the pandemic is a kind of multinational research effort from about over 80 different researchers in 25 countries where we are putting together a massive research survey on athletes and their response to the pandemic and the lockdown measures in various countries, whether through um, and looking at their attitudes, looking at kind of their knowledge, looking at how it's affected their training. And it's, um, like I say, it's open to the, the survey is open now and we'll put a link to it in the description and I'll also post it on the Facebook site, the user group, and also in our community forum. So hopefully you can take part in it. It's open to any athletes who compete at a regional level. So if you have a kind of provincial or state 
license in the US kind of uh, or even if you compete in triathlons if you compete in kind of any kind of organized events uh, you qualify for this it is also open to any sports we are not just looking at cycling it is really meant to be all around the world so as many sports as we can we want to get really a very very comprehensive idea of how different athletes in different sports at different ability levels are are being affected and obviously cycling we're relatively fortunate even if we're in a full lockdown many people do have access to indoor trainers but you know we want to also look at at swimmers who can't get into the pool or gymnastics or you know my other sport of rock climbing where we can't go to the gym or think how has that affected your training and so it is available in both English and also in 24 other languages. So um, it's, again, we're trying to target as many different athletes as possible. And I'm part of the research group and it's been really fun kind of getting involved in that. And hopefully we'll get some good information out of it that can help, uh, you know, heaven forbid there's any future outbreaks of anything like this but also just in terms of the whole process of potentially detraining of kind of managing when you cannot train normally that's really the idea that we want to get at so hopefully again uh, listeners if you're interested you'd be able to help us out by filling out the survey it's about um takes about 10 to 15 minutes and it asks for a range of things. There's no identifying information except for your, your country and kind of city of, of residence, just so we know what the general kind of lockdown protocols are in there. So otherwise, there's no identifying info at all. And if you can spread the word to other friends of yours, that would also be greatly appreciated. And again, We'll put that in the description for this podcast and also I'll advertise it again on, on Twitter with uh, our exert and also with the, with the use, user book, sorry, user group on Facebook and also in the community forum on the website. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. I think if anything, I think uh, a lot of us realize we're, we're not alone. And I think there's a lot of people that feel uh, very similar to how you may be feeling right now. I know, um, I mentioned I've been basically in maintenance. I know my training certainly been affected by it. So I, it, it's good to know that there's definitely other people that are out there that are feeling uh, similar to how I am. Yeah, thank you for that, Stephen. I, I uh, spent some time yesterday to fill out. I don't think it took me 15, 10. It was a little bit shorter for me, but it wasn't. Uh, uh, it was pretty easy to to fill out and complete. And so. Uh, yeah, for sure, folks. Uh, be sure to uh, click on that link. We'll provide it in the in the uh, in the podcast description here. You'll be able to click that link and uh, fill that survey out for us. Thank you. Uh, there is kind of one other topic that I wanted to get to today, um, and it's it, some of it stems from some of the questions that we see in the support channels and the forums, um, and uh, it. it basically pertains to really managing your data in Exert. And so I was hoping uh, we could provide some tips and tricks for some of our users in terms of, of keeping an eye on their data, um, how they can find errors, uh, what to do when they find them. Um, and really, I'd like to start out by saying, um, 
it probably the easiest way to find any errors in your data if you if you log in and you see your peak power is displaying at 2000 watts or, or more uh, and you're not a world-class sprinter uh, probably the easiest way to find where things went wrong is, is going to the activities table um, and so uh, when you go to the activities table, you, you'll find a whole bunch of different columns that you can sort by, uh, and you can also add some different columns. Uh, and one of those is going to be max power, uh, which is basically going to show you the highest one second power from all of your activities. And so if you add that column and you sort it from greatest to least, I'd say most yeah, of the quick, time where I see quick. issues with power. Yeah, just is, click on the column header to uh, sort by that by, by max power. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, click on the column header, you can sort by um, kind of the fitness signature parameters, you can sort by heart rate. Um, but I'd say the vast majority of times that I see in incorrect errors with, with people's data is uh, I find some activity that has essentially a power meter spike in it, uh, where it recorded 2,200 watts or something like that. Um, and usually uh, our system does a pretty good job of catching most of those errors and ignoring them, but there are some that make it through. Uh, and so typically all, all it takes really to correct those situations for the most part is, is simply flagging the activity, um, which essentially tells the system that there's faulty data here and not to extract a fitness signature from it. Uh, and so that's one of the easiest ways to, to typically correct any sort of uh, peak power issue. Uh, if you're a little bit more involved, um, you can actually find that original file uh, and take it to uh, Fit File Tools, which is uh, an excellent site. Highly recommend um, checking, checking it out. There's a whole bunch of different features uh, that they offer on their site there that can help uh, correct different errors that, uh, that might be in your file. Um, so they've, they've got one that's a peak remover. Uh, so you could actually, if, the, if one of your files does have a peak power spike, you can actually download the original file uh, use the FitFile tools peak remover and it'll actually remove that power meter spike and then you can uh, kind of re-upload that fixed data uh, or that fixed file back into Exert and you're, you're no longer going to see that, that, peak, uh, that peak power spike anymore that's going to mess up your data. Uh, they also have a couple different tools for uh, editing the, the date or the time of an activity. Uh, which can be really helpful. I know some of our users have been having issues with, with Garmin's after some recent firmware updates. Um, if they don't have a GPS, like if they don't get a GPS lock after the update, uh, you might get a wrong timestamp on the activity. So uh, if that happens, if you, you save a file and it gives you an incorrect timestamp, you can also use FitFile tools uh, to change the time of that activity to when you actually performed it. Uh, which is a good way to correct some of the issues that we see some of our users having as well. Yeah, it's a, it's important sort of a, a, I call it you know progression hygiene. You know you want to you want to make sure your data is in good shape to help the system assess where you currently are with your signature and your fitness. So a lot of people are wondering, you know, their their numbers don't make sense, or you know, why is it giving me these results and and a lot of times, you know, you have to recognize that the system is basing its, you know, numbers on the data that you've given it. So, and because it's, it is uh, um, uh, all the data, your historical data influences what your current data is, what your current signature is, that 
all your data kind of has to be in good shape. So the things that you really want to make sure of is you, you don't want to have like, uh, you know, one activity here, another one there, and you have these big gaps in your progression. Like, unless those are real gaps, but most times people just haven't had a chance to upload all their activities. Um, or they've uploaded a few here and a few there. And it's not really a clean system where you have a good representation of all your data over the period that, that the system is managing for you. So that's an important thing to keep track of is, is you want to make sure you have data that's kind of complete within the system and that you don't have activities that are really far off. Because if the system, you know, sometimes those, those activities are become you know, create an influence at that point and the system will think, oh, your signature is your threshold's 450 watts and your, you know, your peak power is 2000 watts. And that's what it thinks you had at that moment. And then it'll start to decay that number from that point forward. And then that starts to influence everything after that. So, so the system does that. It takes a point in time and determines what your signature was at that point in time and then applies that to the next one. And then applies that what that signature to the next one. So there's this propagation of signatures that happens. And so when you get invalid data in there, people wonder, well, you know, I'm, I made a change, you know, I added an activity and I changed my signature today. Yeah, well, that, that can happen because you add an activity historically. And when you add an, an activity that was two years ago, or you delete one, for example, that was two years ago, the system will propagate that change all the way through. It'll make, it'll start to, you know, what's called a trickle down. And it takes that one little, you know, one effort and then kind of sees how does that effort impact everything moving forward. So, so that one little effort is kind of like the butterfly, you know, butterfly effect, you know, you make a small change in the, in the, you know, at one point, and then who knows how much change that's going to create later on as, as it propagates through your, your progression data. That, that, that's a good point. And I think it's something that a lot of our users might not understand initially when they get onto the system is that, um, I mean, we have activities and they have assigned dates, but uh, some people might not initially understand how interconnected all of those activities are. And that kind of each previous activity affects the next. Um, the other thing that I wanted to briefly mention, we talked about kind of progression hygiene. Mm -hmm. um, as with any model in anywhere, uh, really one of the sayings is garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it kind of goes back to your point of really making sure that, that you are giving it good data, that you're giving it complete data. Um, if you're not giving it complete data or there's error somewhere in there, there's a good chance that you're going to get a bad fitness signature out of the model. And it's, uh, so it, there is a little bit of a, there is some importance to definitely checking your fitness signature. Um, we have an FAQ actually that, that says, uh, that really discusses is my fitness signature, right? And so you can go on there, you can see um, kind of does your HIE fall in the range that we typically expect given your peak power, um, and so we'll also post that uh, FAQ in the, in the uh, podcast description as well. Um, if you are kind of a little bit curious about if your fitness signature is right, you can always contact our support. Uh, we're really willing to help you guys out. But um, I think a lot of people are really starting to get better and be more cognizant of 
kind of the, the data that they're feeding in, uh, whether or not their fitness signature is correct and, and being aware of uh, potential errors that might be affecting their, the, uh, the system. So, of course, the uh, 2000 watt sprint power is uh, nice for bragging rights though, but <laughs> it's not good for your actual, actual fitness signature and, and basing your training off of that. Right. But it's nice to see on the screen, even if it is an error. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll, but I'll give you a couple of really good tips for kind of managing your data. So the, the one thing you can do if, for example, let's say you've got some, your, your, your signature today is in, uh, is in good shape. You like where your signature is. You think you've got your correct numbers. And let's say you think you've got correct numbers for the past, you, you know, six months. Um, but you, you're, you're wanting to add, you want to start to add some historical data. You want to add that historical data, but you don't want to influence your numbers today. You think that everything's fine. So you know that, you know, if we add in an activity in the past, it's going to trickle down. But what you can do with the system is you can lock activities. So there's two ways to lock an activity. And when you lock it, you're locking the signature. So we're basically telling the system that at this point in time, system, this was my signature, don't change it. Okay, so there's two ways to lock an activity. You can go into the activity, open up the activity details, go to the advanced tab and save and lock. When you save and lock an activity, it will force the trickle down. It'll then propagate whatever you change in the signature, it'll propagate that forward. Okay, so, so propagation will happen and trickle down will happen when you save and lock the signature in the activity details. If you go to the activities table, there is a column for locking. If you lock an activity there, it doesn't do the trickle down. It just locks it. It just says, this is my signature. So that's the technique that I would advise. You can go into the activities table and say, all right, where was my signature right starting from today moving backwards? And you say, okay, in December, that was great. I'm going to lock an activity in December. Now what happens is any change that you make prior to December isn't going to go past that date. It's locked on that date. So all the trickle downs will then run until they reach a lock signature. Once they reach a lock signature, the system says, oh, okay, we, we know where you, want, where you are from this day forward, so we'll just stop here. Okay, so that's a good technique to do is to say, I'm going to lock a signature on this date because it was right on that date, and now I can go ahead and start to add new activities in the past and clean up all my other older activities. Um, and so you can start to add some, you can start to fill in. Um, the other key tip is, is if you're going to start deleting activities. So deleting activities, you can, you know, one, one, one way we've seen users do it would be they open up the dashboard and they start clicking the little delete button on the activities they want deleted. Just so what you got to recognize that every time you do a deletion, the system propagates and does that trickle down a whole the trickle down process from that day forward. So if you're deleting, if you've got four, four years worth of data in the system and you delete an activity four years ago, well, that one little change needs to then get re, will force a re a reanalysis of all your data. So you'll sit there and wait. And so you're, unless there's a locked activity. What's that? Unless there's a lot, unless activity. there's a locked activity, but a lot of people aren't aware of that. And so what happens is they delete something four years ago, and then they sit there and they're waiting. They go, boy, this system's taking a long time. It must be broken, right? Why is it? Well, it's just taking because there's just a lot of data, and the system does a lot of computing. 
Like, you know, you, you, we're not like these other systems that just give you the data and just an, analyze it once and that's the data for that activity. We run a whole bunch of analysis. So that signature extraction starts to rerun on every one of your activities from that day forward. So it's a hugely computationally, you know, difficult task to do it. it takes a long time. And so, so one of the techniques is, yes, you can, you can start to, you know, uh, lock your activities and that kind of stops that process um, without it going past there. And the other thing you can do is when you delete activities, delete them in bulk. Because the system is smart enough to say, okay, if I'm going to delete 20 activities, it's not going to rerun the analysis 20 times. It'll just do it once. So it'll start from the earliest date and then run the, run the, the trickle down from that earliest date forward. So if you are going to delete activities, use the activities table and then check them off. Click those ones you want deleted and then delete them. Same thing with flagging. If you flag, if you decide you want to flag a bunch, check, check them off and flag them. And the system will, again, will only kind of run that trickle down once rather than, you know, whatever, 10 times. So, so those are little tips, techniques you can use to kind of manage your data. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I have, a, I have a couple tips and tricks that I wanted to share as well. Uh, once again, most of these are prompted by support requests. And so I figure if somebody asks the question, there's probably other people that also have the question. Uh, and so uh, one of them is, relates to maybe what they saw on their Garmin kind of during an activity. Like, hey, I saw my MPA was at my threshold for five minutes on my Garmin, but when I uploaded it, it wasn't. And so um, anytime that you do get a breakthrough on the Garmin, we kind of talked about this earlier, the Garmin can't update the signature in real time. Uh, it's just, it, it doesn't have the computational power to do that. And so when you upload it to the system, remember the system's gonna find that maximal breakthrough effort and it's gonna reanalyze that entire activity with that new, that new fitness signature that it extracts from the breakthrough. Uh, but sometimes what people wanna see like, oh, this, isn't, this doesn't match what I saw in my Garmin if you open up that breakthrough activity, you can actually go to the advanced MPA tab uh, and there's a button there that'll show previous. And if you click the, the button that says previous, it'll actually show you what the, what the activity looked like analyzed using the starting signature for that day. And so you can see kind of, you can confirm, oh yeah, that's roughly what I saw in my Garmin during the ride. Uh, and then you can see kind of flip, go back to current and you can see how, how those changes affected it. Um, that advanced MPA tab, you can also directly change your peak power, your HIE, or your threshold. So uh, sometimes it, if the HIE is maybe too high or too low, um, you can directly influence uh, kind of what those parameters are from the advanced MPA tab. And from there, uh, on a breakthrough activity, you can click the extract. So if you get to a point where uh, MPA and power are close together, you can manipulate the, the threshold maybe up a couple watts or change HIE down a couple kilojoules, uh, which generally brings, uh, it can bring the fitness signature in line um, if there are a little bit of uh, discrepancies along there. But, uh, and well, then as you talked about before, when you click that save button, it's gonna lock that activity now uh, based on the changes that you made. So that's, you know, that's really interesting. You know, you talk about little tips and tricks, you know, that that advanced tab with the signature at the bottom and the, you know, the refresh button and the extract button. There's a lot of little things you can do with that to really gain an, an understanding of, of what's happening. Right. So 
I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a, real, a, a thing you can do uh, that would be using that same, the same technique that you really get a, a, an interesting perspective on things. For example, if you, let's say you're, you're, you ride with a, a friend and he just had this outstanding result, he rode this race and you're about the same size and height as he is. And, and um, you want to know, okay, he won that race. I wonder what it would look like if I applied my signature to his race. So you could ask him for the fit file and then you could bring it in and then you'd have to be careful when the date was. So you don't go back to this locking thing because if you're going to bring it into your past, you make sure that you don't want his, his analysis to kind of influence the rest of your, your, rest of your um, history. So you might want to flag the next activity as an example or not flag it, but lock it. So then when you bring it in, you'll see how the system analyzes it with your signature and whether you've got a breakthrough or what have you. And oftentimes you can go into the, the analysis tab and then um, on, uh, sorry, on the activity details tab and go to the advanced tab. And then you can start to manipulate the signature, put in your old signature, put in your current signature, for example, and hit the refresh button. And then you can see whether you could have achieved the same numbers that he had achieved during the race you would be able to see, oh, when it goes yellow, oh, that's where I would have cracked. Okay, and in fact, you may go back and say, yeah, that's kind of where I did crack on that race. That happens all the time, in fact. When you start applying other data to your data, your signature to other data, you kind of see where your limits are. You're saying, this is my limit. I wouldn't have been able to kind of hold that pace the way they did at that point, and so I can see that. So you can see that in your signature, being able to apply an external kind of power data to it. And then you can start to say, what if scenarios and say, oh, okay, what if, what if my threshold went up by 10 watts? Could I, could I have done that effort? And you'll say, hey, yeah, if I raise my threshold by 10 and I hit the refresh button, wow, look, look at that. I'm able to complete that actual race, that, that race winning effort. And so these are sort of things you can play with. Those are kind of fun actually is to apply and do kind of what if scenarios with other people's data, or even with your own data. You know, you can maybe look at it and say, you know, what happens if I raise my HIE and I lower my threshold, can I still perform this particular effort? So these are things that you can, you can look at. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many cool things that, uh, that our system can do that I think people may not be aware of, um, but that's, we hope to do these tips and tricks every once in a while uh, just because there are so many cool things that I think um, that we know how to do. And that's kind of the reason that we had started this podcast in the first place is we, we hope that we can share a lot of the, the tips and tricks and the insights. And we want to share our knowledge of the system with all of our users and help them get more out of the system. So uh, hopefully you found at least some of this uh, podcast today useful. <clears throat> as well as my rambling on uh, why you should be doing your breakthrough workouts in slope mode. <laughs> All very important stuff, Scott. So. I, I think that's everything that I had had uh, on, in my notes here. Uh, do either of you have anything that you would like to add yet? Or? What, what, was the, uh, what was the consensus from others? Uh, I think some of them did Ronestads for the first time with you uh, today. What, were the, uh, what was their feedback or curses at me? Uh, well, I broke somebody's strength. No, <laughs> uh, no, they, I, I think they somewhat enjoyed it. Uh, 
everyone finished, so I have that going for us. Um, but I think, it, I think it went pretty well. Um, like I mentioned, doing it in slope mode was great. Uh, I think some of us, myself included, cooked ourselves a little bit much uh, on the front end. And so it was nice that, uh, that we could back it off if we needed to. Uh, not everybody was able to, to, to hammer it today, but we were four for five on breakthroughs or near breakthroughs today. So I'd wow. say that's a, that's a pretty good day in my books. That's I'll great. take that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Lisa on a big shout out to her on Strava. I saw that was her first experience with Ronestads. And so she uh, was cursing me a little bit in her comments, but she really enjoyed it. And I saw that she had a, she got to near, she got a breakthrough and she was able to draw her MPA down in all three sets which again i feel is an excellent sign not just of uh of your fitness but also the depth of your fitness that you are not just again not to call out scott but where he, he was <laughs> you know. able to draw his mpa yeah, down know. in the first set but <laughs> not in the second or third you know really didn't even come anywhere close where that bit. shows that Pretty shows fun. that you know on that you have you know fitness but you don't have that kind of uh, endurance fitness, if, if that makes yeah. sense. That, we've, ta- we've talked about this before. Yeah. So right now I'm uh, two, two and change star athlete right now. So, yep. and that's a five-star workout if you do it right. Five-star right? workout. So, which is interesting because I cracked right at about the four-ish, three and a half, four-ish star effort. I got a difficulty score of 110, 111. Um, so it kind of just goes back to that relation. I know you wrote an article for Pez about it, but really looking at um, kind of the relationship between not only the, the numbers, the fitness signature itself, but being able to kind of repeatedly. Yeah. That, that repeatability is so important at the end of kind of long events of any kind, or even just of, you know, again, if, as an example, a cyclocross race, that last lap being able to still dig really deep in that as opposed to fading whereas you may have a very strong first lap but after that you're kind of cooked and that doesn't help whereas to be able to keep at the same pace for you know every lap of that cross race as an example is where that depth of fitness really comes in and and absolutely if you're at a two two and a half star fitness you're most likely not going to be able to really draw down your mpa repeatedly because you just don't have the aerobic depth to to be able to handle that mm-hmm. armando i expect to see a ronestad workout report on strava from you in the next week or so <laughs> i don't know about that i don't know about that you know i i think i think we, if we can do them in a group environment might it might be a little more incentive so uh yeah we'll have to we'll have to see about that we'll all suffer together yeah yeah, yeah exactly all right. Well, thank you both for, uh, for sitting down with me today. I appreciate it. Uh, I always have fun doing these. So hopefully our users found, uh, found the podcast today useful. Uh, I know several of them have asked when the next one's coming out. So uh, we'll, we'll rush to get this out to them right away. Very good. Well, thanks, everyone. All right. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Stay safe and uh, keep riding and, and keep, um, keep being good to others.